0: Hello, and welcome to episode 30 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, December 12th, 2019. A big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. And a special thanks to those of you that are joining us because of a notice that you got in your workplace knitting group. Hope you find this interesting. And thank you also to those of you joining us through the Knitmore Girls. I'm a big fan of theirs for many years, and they were kind enough to play our promo this week. And uh, That's so fun. Yeah. It's a great show. the Knitmore Girls. <laughs> if you haven't listened to them, you should definitely go check them out. They're actually going to be taking a little break uh, in January and February, I believe. But they have 10 years of back catalog for you to listen to, so definitely check them out. How are you, Courtney?
1: Great back from a whirlwind, wintry trip that we'll talk more about.
0: Yes, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode in our On the Road segment. Before that, we'll have On the Needles, On the Easel, On the Table, and On the Nightstand. I guess we should get started. Yes, what have you been doing? I have been going for semi-immediate gratification (laughs) in kind of all aspects of my life, so I was making my notes and thinking about what i had done these past two weeks. So as far as knitting goes, I have all my big projects. I have my Elton cardigan, which has gotten zero love. I have my Rye Light Christmas socks, which has gotten zero love. I have gone fully into, well, almost fully into present mode. I didn't exactly plan it this way, but they're kind of quick and easy projects. They just mm-hmm. happen to be that way. So the first thing I made was the Tiger Hat by Cherie Marie Leck, and it's a, a basic kind of hat, but she does this really cute tiger colorwork pattern all around the or around the hat, and my nephew is going to Germany right after Christmas um, with his dad to visit some family friends, and it's a little chilly there, so my sister said he needs a warm hat, and would you make one, because that's what you do when you know a knitter (laughs) and so I was looking around for hats that I thought he would like and maybe just doing it in his favorite color or whatever but his school mascot is a tiger and I found this pattern and it's so cute and she had a couple different variations of it and one of them was the hat was the background was black and she striped orange and white yarn fun Um, so it looks super cute and so I went yarn shopping <laughs> online, I didn't really need to, but I thought maybe if I could find an orange <laughs> and white striped yarn, right. that would be easier than trying than buying two skeins of yarn and striping it, because I don't think I have any orange. I probably have white yarn in my stash, but orange yarn is not a color that I Gravitate work with. towards. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think I have anything in there. So I was just playing around on Etsy, and I found this really cute yarn from Yarn Loving Lady, <laughs> is the name of her shop. And it's a superwash merino and worsted and the colorway is american robin perfect so it's all orange and white and has some little black speckles it looks so cute so i used a like a charcoal gray background oh yeah mad madeline tosh dk in graphite so really dark gray and then the orange and white and it's fun because it's not a self-striping but it is variegated so it ended up pooling So some of the tigers are more white with less orange, and some of them are more orange. Some have a nice mix. And they have little black speckles. It
1: has little tigers in the pattern. Yeah. I'm just picturing like a tiger striped hat. Oh, no. It's even better. It's actual tigers. Monica.
0: It's so cute. And it took me, it was ridiculous, like four hours. Wow. Even I was super impressed. Like I sat down (laughs) Saturday afternoon and started knitting and, and... I think because it has the cute pattern and every row is different and you get to see the orange and the white coming up you just keep going very satisfying very satisfying and then all of a sudden i was done it's like oh look at that that's exciting
1: does it require a pom-pom no oh i mean i guess you could
0: i don't think it needs one i think that would possibly be too much
1: no with
0: the tigers i
1: don't know let me see it we'll have to post it
0: there's always in the show notes there will be a link
1: Oh, they're bigger than I was imagining. Yeah, they're pretty big. That is adorable. Good job. Thanks. I (laughs) thought you meant like tiny little tigers, you know, the suggestion of a tiger. Oh,
0: no, it's a full-on tiger. They're pretty big. I think there's about six of them around. Very cool. That was fun. And I think she is also part of the Indie Designer Gift Along, which is running on Ravelry this month. Um, this is the seventh year or so they do it, and it's indie designers, and they put at least 10 of their patterns on sale. I think it's 20% off. It's a good good, good amount off. And then the whole month, you, you can knit any of their paid-for patterns and post your finished object, and then there's prizes and giveaways, and they have other fun things going on. And I've never really participated in it, but I happened to check on this pattern that I've been thinking of knitting, and... She was participating in it so it's like all right i do need to remember to go post it in the finished object thread though so and then another hat that i made is brimish by sarah shira and she is imagine landscapes she has a nice podcast she's the gnome lady she does all sorts of gnome things Um, if you guys are for my knitting friends you might have heard of her and she has a podcast as well so it's a really cool hat pattern. It has six different brims. Usually for the beginning of a hat, you start off with a ribbing pattern, which is, I mean, if you think of a, a knit hat, any even a, a store-bought knit hat will have that stretchy part at the bottom to kind of hold it onto your head. So that's the ribbing and you can do all sorts of different things. You can put cables in there, you can make it lacy, you can do all kinds of different patterns. So she does six of them and she has like six different sizes. So baby to big man head (laughs) so it's a really useful pattern to have in your arsenal so my family is going to Canada also cold there is my understanding (laughs) Um, and my children don't really have warm hats I've made some for Simon and obviously I have a hat or two in in my wardrobe but the boys don't have anything because it's not usually cold enough here yeah for them to want to wear them but I thought I should make them hats so that they don't freeze um, so this will be for one of the boys. I finished up the Madeline Tosh DK in graphite for the brim and then used three Irish girls Rose Leo Organic in irises, which is a deep dark purple. Um, both of them have their favorite color purple right now. Just thought was interesting. So this hat technically could be for either of them. I think it'll be for my younger son. He has more hair. <laughs> this hat yeah. turned out a little bit bigger than I thought. I didn't check gauge on it and so i think it is user error and not the pattern but the brim pattern i used is the little hourglass rib so it's sort of looks like cables but it's has in between the
1: it flat parts yeah it goes in between yeah. so
0: i think it'll be good
1: fun yeah good for you for knitting for your kids
0: yeah and then i started another one for the other kid but i think i just cast on The other hat is going to be the stash busting helix hat by Jessica Rose. And I had made one for my mom when we went to Alaska. It ended up really cute. So I think hopefully this one will turn out really cute as well. And I'll use black and gray and I still have some of that purple left over. So they'll be similar but different coordinating children. And then I started some slippers that are actually for me. That went super quickly, except that I totally, again, user error. This is why we swatch people, because we can't just guess at needle size, especially if we are going to make it bigger than what is called for. So super bulky yarn, really fast pattern, very clear, very nice. The pattern is Mine, M-I-N-E, um, by Faye Kennington. And I had some leftover Lion Brand Thick and Quick in gray marble. So just, you know... Easy yarn. See how and this pattern goes. it's just a
1: little slip on.
0: Yeah, so you kind of, it's kind of like knitting just the bottom of a sock, but yeah. she does a nice cable pattern on the top of the foot. Mm, so it cute. looks cute. The issue is that it calls for size 10 needles. I had 10 and a half and I had eight. So I thought I would just do 10 and a half and I do the smallest size and then I don't have a terribly small foot. So I figured it would turn out maybe a little big and that would be fine. It was really way too big. And then I ran out ran out of yarn on the second slipper. So I just ripped
1: them all both out <laughs> and borrowed size 9 needles from a friend. Okay. Um,
0: and I'm starting over. I have,
1: I think, every size needle because yeah. I inherited um, a knitter's collection of needles.
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, that's not true. I did find a size 9 needle and started knitting and got about halfway through and the cable came out. Came detached from the needle. So, this was a long circular. Oh. So, where you, I st- was using double pointed needles, mm-hmm. which I guess they could break in half, but that's not generally an issue with double pointed. But then I switched to a really long circular needle. So, there's needles at each end and then a thin, flexible cable in the middle. Usually, it's not an issue. Mine was maybe a smidge short for this project and kind of. Pulling and twisting a lot, and it finally decided it was done working. Did you order a replacement yet? Well, no, that was when I borrowed the size number. Okay. Double points, and then I haven't had time to knit since then. Phew. So, I was I was doing so well. Knitting, knitting, so. knitting, and then I stopped yeah. having time. Well. But I'm going to be traveling this weekend, so I will have lots of knitting time this weekend, I think. Great. And that's it
1: for me. Okay. What's on the easel? Who boy. It's chock full. Cards? Um, they're coming along. Yay! I have blown through two of my self-imposed deadlines for my chapbook at this point. And now I'm at the place where everything else is landing and... Sorry, you, you hit
0: your deadlines or no, you No, I missed them. Oh, okay.
1: I meant to have all the artwork done before I went to New York City oh, really? this past weekend and that didn't happen.
0: That was a pretty ambitious goal though, wasn't it?
1: It was. Yeah. And then I meant to finish everything this week, and I am. I'll talk about why I haven't hit that either. But now I'm okay with it. And if these things go out on December 21st, then they go out on December 21st. And nobody's
0: going to complain. Right.
1: And I just kind of want them off my plate. But here's the thing about all Christmas cards if you do them, and you do a photo card and you order them off minted and you love them and send them out, great. If you don't do Christmas cards, great. It should be non-obligatory and somewhat joyful, okay? Because everybody loves to receive them. Everybody likes the mail. My thing about Christmas cards is the process to me is really joyful. I loved painting the envelopes. I love creating this thing. I love building the little chat book. So the second that it starts to feel like work, then I have to pause and figure out why. And it's usually I'm not happy with that illustration because I rushed it. So then I have to just because the whole thing is meant to be joyful for me. Yeah. So that is where the chat book is at, but I am much happier with my illustrations this week now that I have cooled my jets about my deadlines. In the process, I am also making a Christmas songbook, sing-along book for our wow. school Christmas concert. It has. It's a really international concert this year. Every class is singing a song from another culture and in a different language. I'm working with the music teacher, and we... We, um, we thought it would be fun to include some artwork. So I went into each classroom before I went to New York City and had the kids draw a traditional ornament from the culture where their song originates. So the French class drew uh, traditional French tree ornaments there's an Eiffel Tower with boughs on it, there's a French nativity scene, there's a fleur-de-lis. You know, I gave them some examples to work off of and then they could also design their own. So I did that for nine classrooms cool. before I went to New York and now I'm scanning like all of these and putting them in the Christmas program, like postage size. Mm-hmm enough so that you can see the image and their name, and it's adding so much color and art to this Christmas program, and I am really happy with how it's coming out, even though it's kind of time-consuming, and what was I thinking? I am very excited to jump into my big project that I alluded to last
0: time. Yes.
1: I don't know what we're calling it. Think more about it? Um, I'm still fleshing out the particulars, but I am excited and ready to go and i just feel like i need to get through the things that are on the desk right now on the easel last night i finished a christmas commission that i'm really happy with it's something that i haven't had success painting before and so as soon as as soon as that's um in its new home i can share it and share a little bit more about it and then i ordered I thought I was going to have all kinds of time in December and I was going to make a whole oh, bunch. Course.
0: December is nothing but time. I know.
1: I thought I was going to make a whole bunch of um, paper poinsettias. Oh. And so I ordered three amazing paper flower books from the library and I ordered a set of tissue, the crepe tissue paper, the beautiful French stuff that you can kind of like fan out and stretch. Mm-hmm. I found a great pattern for the poinsettias where you sew a seam because you know the the ribbon goes out like a leaf yes. on the on the flowers of the poinsettia. They've been sitting there just waiting for me to have a day. I haven't had a day. So I really want to get to that. And then I'm painting birds in December.
0: So, oh, you've done that before? We did yeah. it
1: last year too. Is that a, that's a thing? That's a group on Instagram, and it's run, the, or the prompt list came from Blue Shine Art, who is Charlotta Hamilton. And these are birds of the UK, but I don't mind. I, even because I live in San Francisco, but they are a great warm up for me. So I'll paint a bird and then I'll dive into a chapbook painting. And that's been a great way to stretch before I do the actual yeah. work. So that is what's been on the easel, but I'm still really excited to open up the floodgates for the next big project, right?
0: So are you going to try and start right with the new year or just see where things
1: land? I would love to. However, I recognize that not everybody wants a survey. Maybe right around Christmas time. So once oh, I. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you could do the first couple in your. Own. Absolutely. And I want our listeners to be able to participate too. All right. So at some point, I'm going to do a call for um, mm-hmm. ideas and, and get feedback from people. Cool.
0: Yeah. That sounds good. And then we had a request. Oh, yes. From my friend Telly. She wanted to hear about scissors. And we did not talk about that with our gift episode, but I did think that would be a good thing to chat about.
1: As I said when you asked me about this, I could talk about scissors for an hour, but we'll keep it shorter. We'll keep it shorter. (laughs) I opened up my drawers and looked at my scissor collection. And there's really only two brands that I'm using on the regular right now. I use Fiskers the orange handled ones as my utility scissor for paper, wrapping, all of that stuff. For sewing, ribbons, uh, anything textile, I use the Kai dressmaker shears. Um, They're a black handle. I think they're made in Japan and they're amazingly sharp. I also have a pair of Kai embroidery scissors, which if I were a knitter, I would, I would keep a pair of those. They come mm-hmm. with a, um, a sheath oh, yeah. that goes over mm-hmm. the blades, and they're tiny. So, I mean, not tiny enough to take on an airplane, but tiny enough to keep in your knitting bag. Wonderfully sharp, very accurate. You can just snip just a tip, you know, just a little. I use them mostly for really fine cutting, but I'm really happy with those. And where would you get those? I have gotten the Kai's off of Amazon, Okay. And then I have a couple things to add about scissor care. When I am sewing with those dressmaker shears, a lot of times I'm making little tote bags or, you know, project bags, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I'm putting in a zipper that generally is longer than the project requires. It makes for a nicer zipper transition ending, that kind of thing and I never cut the zipper, the plastic zipper with my Kai scissors. I always use a utility pair, and I don't really ever cut a metal zipper at all because you can buy them. They're more for apparel anyhow, but if I'm putting it in a bag or something like that, I'll use actual uh, tin snips or like uh, more of a jewelry clip wire cutter. Mm instead of use it because that will destroy a scissor very fast so that's my tip about zippers um i keep them labeled and my family knows that the orange ones are safe for pretty much anything except metal and that they're never ever ever allowed to touch the black ones (laughs) (laughs) and then lastly i clean them with orange oil all the time oh So even if you're not cutting paper or adhesive or that kind of thing, they get ink or paint will sort of gum up the mechanism. And so be really careful, but you can put some orange oil on, or yeah, put some orange oil on a paper towel and then carefully clean away from yourself, you know, clean away and it will take any kind of adhesive or any debris off the blade and then they're really sharp again. And this works for the Fiskars too. So I really think that I probably do it twice a year and I could probably do it once a quarter. To and that'll them. keep
0: it sharp or do you need to actually take them and have them sharpened or is there is that a thing?
1: You can have scissors sharpened and I have a pair of Gengars do you know that brand? I think so. It's like it sounds... G I N G H E R. I think, think I might have a a little German, band, yeah. yeah, German pair. I think I have an old pair of my grandmother's that I keep meaning to have sharpened, and those are all metal. The problem with those blades for me is that they're really heavy, and I think right. my grandmother probably had this problem too. So it's a lot of fatigue if you're doing if you're cutting out patterns right. or. I mean, I wouldn't use those on paper, but metal scissors are heavy. So if you're doing a big project, find a scissor that fits your hand properly and is lightweight because it's it's a tool like any other thing. It should, you know, like a kitchen knife, it should fit you and be the right weight for what you're trying to to do with it. But that one could be sharpened at a knife shop. You can unscrew right. it and take in the, I think they prefer you to unscrew it at home, but you can check with your sharpener about that. I I wouldn't sharpen them myself because no. the angle is different than a kitchen knife. Okay. So it'd be harder. Yeah. Cool. I hope that helps. What do you use in, for your knitting scissors? I think I have
0: the gangers that I use or I have I have a couple of different tiny ones. One is very cute. It has it's it's owl shaped. <laughs> that is cute. And the beak, I think, is the the snippy part. Um, yeah i do try and keep them separate you want it to be nice and sharp to cut through the yarn easily so it's not fraying all over the place and mine are pretty tiny and i have large men in my house so they're not going to usually steal those, my yeah. tiny little scissors and then for traveling i have actually simon got this for me and i think it just you can get them at joanne's or michael's and it's it looks like a wheel with and it has little sharp edges inside it so it doesn't look like a scissor mm. so you can carry it to the courthouse, you can carry it on an airplane, <laughs> and you pull the yarn down through the the cutouts in the wheel and it snips them
1: off pretty well. I should add that I also have a cutting wheel for when I cut patterns. Or like a pizza. Yeah. So that's the, a... That was the gesture that she was making. <laughs> it
0: looked like a pizza knife. <laughs> uh,
1: I know we keep talking about YouTube and that would be the one reason why yeah. it'd be helpful. The Olfa brand, that's a that's an interesting way to cut fabric because you can take the blade off and put a new blade on like more like an exacto knife,
0: mm-hmm. oh, Okay,
1: which I could also talk about for days.
0: We'll <laughs> do that later.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll talk about that next time because I use an exacto knife to cut all of the chapbooks down to size oh, yeah. by hand. Wow. But the Ulfa wheel cutters, there's, I think a different term for it, but any anyway, cutting, cutting wheel, um, The trick with those is that your cutting mat needs to be pretty Uh big. And so that's the hard part is I don't really have a a huge surface for a big cutting mat. But if I had more of a sewing production, I think that would be something I'd look at because the smaller the wheel makes for a really accurate cut and you can cut through several layers. I really like it for bu- cutting bias cool. tape. So when the boys move out and you take over their
0: giant yeah, room, then, you'll,
1: exactly. then you can set that up. I love that you see my vision. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Excellent. Anything else? No. I, I think <laughs> I've got enough going on in that art studio right now.
0: <laughs> okay. So on the table, again, with the immediate gratification, our soccer practices for the winter have gotten moved later. And... We just found out my kid got the role of Mr. Banks in Mary Poppins, so he'll have musical rehearsals three times a week as well. That's so
1: exciting, we're though. very
0: excited. Very excited. And he's got a bunch of buddies in the in the production with him as well, so it'll be good. It'll just be a little crazy. And it was just me this week.
1: Is this your your big or your medium? Medium. Hmm. Yeah. We don't have smalls people, but when they were really little... We couldn't call the kids bigs and littles because they were offended at being called little. So we called them mediums for years.
0: Yeah. So I was trying to find things that were super fast to prepare because it was that kind of getting back into that not being home from like three o'clock to eight o'clock. Yeah. No time to cook until you actually got home, which I fully realize is most people's MO. Right. (laughs) Um, Not always the way I am. So... Pulling out all the fast things. I think I have made this one before and possibly even talked about it. But this time it was even faster because I didn't have to separate it out for a veggie and a meat lover. Um, And it is the cheesy rotisserie chicken enchilada skillet from Cook90. This is probably the third time I've made it. And every time I am surprised by the recipe.
1: (laughs) It's never. I don't don't remember you talking about this. Oh, really? Okay, so... This sounds like something my guys would go for. Yes. So you take... A rotisserie chicken. I mean, I guess you could use
0: leftover chicken or whatever you've got, but the basis in the cookbook is buy a rotisserie chicken, shred all the meat, saute onions and garlic and cumin and some other things, and then you mix a jar of salsa, some sour cream, the shredded chicken, the onion mixture, black beans, and a couple of corn tortillas that you've kind of pulled into pieces. Mix it all up, throw it back in the pan that you sauteed the onions in, cook it for like 10 minutes? No, not even that long. Five minutes? Just to warm it up. Just to warm like... everything up and then pull it back out, throw a bunch of cheese on top, stick it back in until the cheese is all nice and bubbly, done. So like 20 minutes.
1: And then do you serve Delicious. it with a tortilla?
0: No, because the tortilla is already in there. Oh. Mixed in. So it's enchilada-like, mm. but you don't have to do any of the rolling, so it's all the flavors. Yeah. It was really good. And then you can put more sour cream on top or jalapenos or fun. Whatever floats your boat. And they liked it. They were super happy. Great. Yeah. One of those things they walk in, they're like, ooh. So that's always
1: very satisfying. Absolutely.
0: So usually what I have to do is mix it all up except for the chicken and maybe add an extra half of everything to increase it. And then do it in two pans and one with the chicken and one with maybe extra black beans. so And that works fine, but it does make it feel like an extra step. Um, but that one is really good. And then last night we had ground lamb and butternut squash salad from $20 20-minute 20 meals. So this was butternut squash. You take a not-so-big one, peel it, and then you slice it really thin mm-hmm. and then roast it for 15 minutes while you're doing everything else. Because usually a butternut squash will take 40. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So this, and that works really well. And I cut it in half and then sliced it just so I didn't have it rolling all over the place. And then brown some ground lamb with cumin. And you make a little kind of relishy dressing with chilies and cilantro and lime juice. Serve it over arugula. Add some sour cream on there. Oh no, Greek yogurt. I mean, either one would work, Mm -hmm. I guess. Again, super fast. I would say that was lived up to its 20-minute hype. And uh, yeah, and again, I like that. Super. So that was good. And then I finally got into using my vegetarian cookbook from Jamie Oliver, which I'd ordered a while ago and then just haven't experimented yet with. I like it. It has a lot of good looking recipes. Some of them are a little gluten heavy so and kind of one pot meals. So it's been tricky to figure out how to separate things out. Like it'll be like a veggie pot pie, which yeah. is, is hard to deal with, or pasta, which I can do, but... Anyway, but I did make this one. Oh, this one was not immediate gratification. This was more of a long roasting, but I did it on the weekend, and it was fine. A veggie tray bake, which I also just love the name. Yeah. <laughs> British. Um, so you start off with butternut squash and carrots and red onions and red peppers, and you chop them all up, and you bake them for, I think it was like half an hour. And then you add dried porcinis that you've been soaking, olives, garlic, chianti, some canned tomatoes and cannellini beans, and you mix it all up and put big chunks of feta on top and then bake it for another half hour, 20 minutes or so until it's all done and bubbling and then serve it with some arugula. And my kids actually loved it. <laughs> Good. Went back for seconds. Wow. And I did serve it with meatballs that I bought just just in case. And they both agreed that it was a nice bonus, but they would have been fine if they didn't have that extra amount of meat. So I felt like that was a win in the parenting department. Great. Which is really nothing that I had to do with anything. I just lucked out in the kid department, but yeah, it was nice.
1: It is. I love to roast off a sheet tray of vegetables and then, you know, you can do that part at 10 o'clock in the morning or yeah. whatever whatever works in your day, and then it's ready to go for dinner time. It just needs reheating. Yeah,
0: this one was a little different because it did have the wine and the Mm, canned tomatoes that you don't drain or anything. So it was a little more saucy, kind of like a ratatouille sort of thing. And then you have the cheese on top, but you could do the first half of the roasting and then do the rest of them for sure. So that was good. And then yesterday was cookie day at my mom's (laughs) house, which is one of my most favorite things in my life that's on repeat. (laughs) It was delightful. and we were. I was there for probably five hours and we got through six batches of cookies, which actually doesn't sound like that much because we got to the end and we're like, wow, is that all we did? <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of cookies, but there, a lot of them are super complicated and they have multiple steps kind of thing. So that took a little while. What I wanted to talk about was we made gluten-free M&M cookies because that's my husband's favorite. So we always make that gluten-free for him and cuz you had talked about using the almond flour mm-hmm. last time and how they went bleh and spread out and the past couple of years when we've made the gluten-free ones they've spread out a lot and that reminded me of that so my mom found a new recipe this year which was basically the same as from the back of the M&M package okay except that instead of didn't use shortening it used butter and it used about a quarter cup less okay so it was 12 tablespoons instead of 16 I think is what it normally calls for. And they did not spread, but they were a little dry.
1: Did you mix the dough longer? Because that was one of the things that I read about the gluten-free flour is that it needs mixing more than... Hmm. You know how you have to be careful with all-purpose flour to not overmix? I hear that gluten-free flour needs an extra, maybe minute of mixing.
0: Hmm. I don't know how long I mixed it. I mean, I mixed it... I don't know anyway, it felt like it might, but would that make it
1: drier though? No, but if you backed off, if you put in the same amount of fat and then you just mixed it longer, then the gluten or the the properties of the flour would, it just takes longer, I guess, to activate that gluten-free flour hmm. because gluten is really what's holding it all together, right? Right. In a regular.
0: Yes. So I don't know. So I feel like maybe we need to add a little more butter. Yeah. It is a work of progress. I just thought that was interesting because they did not spread at all.
1: Hmm. And we
0: had previously had the same too much spreading.
1: Issue. Right. That would be so. my, my first step for those for that substitute I did last time would be to back off butter. Yeah. But that's almond flour too, which True. probably doesn't absorb as much fat as – because it's already yeah. – I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a chemistry. It's a kitchen chemistry mystery. Yep. So we'll just have to experiment more. So um, we
0: find out. How about you?
1: Would you like to hear about all the cooking that I've done? <laughs> yes, I would. Well, I've been to New York City yep. where I did not cook like a proper New Yorker. Very good. And then when I came home, I started making this recipe from Tuesday night. Oh, yes. From the Milk Street mm-hmm. cookbook and i chose the braised cider lentils (laughs) it looks it looks like a great recipe i was very excited for warm lentils and i like that it has a little slaw with radishes Mm. on top and it calls for goat cheese which is my favorite and so i set off to make these lentils and i had a kitchen accident which i will not go into detail here because nobody wants to hear about it
0: you don't you really don't
1: um but let's just say that i have been cooking or working in or a child in a kitchen for a really long time i mean i'm not a chef i'm definitely a home cook but this is definitely the worst kitchen accident i have inflicted upon myself and so that that closes the kitchen portion <laughs> of my when i called my husband and told him he was like so you want takeout <laughs>
0: is a good response.
1: It's a very good response. The braised lentils, I I finished them, but I messed up the recipe because I was completely compromised. It's a cider braised lentil and it calls for a cup of cider and three tablespoons of cider vinegar. And in my distress, I put a cup of cider vinegar in and three tablespoons of well, once I realized it, then I just dumped a whole bunch of cider in. Yeah. So they're very cidery lentils. <laughs> and we had them last night. I did the I had the injury on Tuesday and today's Thursday. So Wednesday night we ate the lentils, reheated. I put a little bit more cider in for liquid and cooked them and I added a little bit of rice to it because I felt like it needed not all lentils. And I put the goat cheese on top. I didn't make the slaw because I am not picking up a kitchen knife for a little while. So that is... That's my on the table. I don't know what I'm going to... I'm going to make a lot of rotisserie chicken. There you go. And shred it with a fork.
0: (laughs) That sounds good.
1: Sorry for this very brief segment. That's okay. But I will talk about food on the road. So stay tuned for five minutes. Yes.
0: And also should we say we are going to be doing review in the new year of
1: what is it called again? tuesday tuesday, tuesday night. nights by the milk street kitchen christopher kimball Yep, is the milk street figurehead yep. he's the guy behind it all cooks
0: illustrated and mm-hmm.
1: yep. and monica picked up this cookbook and it had us both intrigued because they're relatively fast dinner recipes yep. midweek dinner recipes and tons of great flavor, and then all of that great test kitchen wisdom yep. behind it. So we're both cooking our way through that this month, yeah. and then we'll talk about it in the new year.
0: Yeah. So the reason I bring it up is if you want to join us in cooking through. And
1: yeah, let us know your When we chat about it, and, you can, yeah, yeah, let us know. And know that I you know made a mistake with mine right out of the gate.
0: You oh, yeah, you did make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that wasn't a mistake, but yes, it was. Yeah, no, so I've, I've had some good experiences with it, and I look forward to chatting more about that. That'll probably be our second episode. Mid, uh,
1: Late January. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay, on the nightstand. Wow, oh,
1: you've been reading. Well, some
0: of these aren't actually. Those are just notes. Okay. Ayesha at Last by Uzma Jalaluddin. So that is the Muslim Pride and Prejudice. It was really sweet. I always love a Pride and Prejudice. Offshoot. Aisha is, well, Muslim. Um, She's in her mid 20s. She just got her teaching certificate and is starting a new job, but she really, her love is poetry and her family. She was born in India, but now lives in Toronto, Um, came over with her mom and her brother and her grandparents when she was about 10. She is out at an open mic night for poetry, and her friend, one of her good friends, brings over a guy that she works with because he's also Muslim. So obviously they'll get along. (laughs) And everybody in the book is kind of like, yeah, they acknowledge, they fully acknowledge that's not really the best connection. Anyway, he is a very conservative Muslim. He's our Mr. Darcy character, lives at home with his mom, dresses traditionally. He works in technology and often finds himself in trouble because as part of you know his religion he won't shake women's hands and people get upset about that or you know not everyone but a lot of people do so he sees her at this place and thinks she's way too wild and loose and she thinks he's way too conservative they end mm-hmm. up meeting again the next day at the organization for a youth conference at their mosque and it goes from there i mean it's pride and prejudice so you know it's all how it's all going to end uh, but the journey is part of the fun and how she's kind of done the different characters. It's not a one-for-one match with the original. I really loved the two main characters. I thought they were really well-drawn. You got both of their interiors, what they were thinking and feeling and how they were seeing the other person um, and how they both changed a little bit and, and grew in their knowledge of the other person and themselves as well. I thought some of the secondary characters were a little too stereotypical. Some of them ended up having more depth eventually, but a lot of them felt just like stock characters. But overall, it was really sweet, and I liked it, and I was, I was happy with their, their happily ever after. So, Always good. So that was good. And then I read, <laughs> this one's kind of silly, Harry, A History by Melissa Anelli. It was part of my dive into all things Harry Potter that I
1: seem to be doing this year. For a second, I thought you were going to talk about the Prince of, What's Harry Prince oh. of. He's, no, not he's not Cambridge. He's not Wales. Sussex. He's Sussex, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, wow, that would be
0: really bad. No, no, I am not that crazy. Um, <laughs> although, if that's your thing, that's great. That is not my thing. No, this is Harry Potter. So, Melissa was one, ended up being the editor for a Harry Potter website the leaky cauldron and she now um she helped start leaky con and she manages fan conventions of all kinds now wow so she was deep into the whole harry potter event kind of thing like the the The, whole the craze the craze yeah yeah that's that's a good word for it yeah so and she was a little bit older she was in college i think when they first started coming out so a little bit beyond but still you know Did a deep dive into it and so she wanted to record the experience because there were So many things about it that were new like the size of the books. No one wrote kids books that were that big. No one had Midnight openings. No one released a book in England and America and around the world at an exact time for everybody So all that was new and the fan base Was new and there were musical
1: acts. I mean yeah it so and most importantly and having to wait for the books it was it really got people reading at a time like just fervently reading at a time when publishing was in crisis right
0: yeah yeah and for
1: kids books and they like
0: they split the new that's why they split the new york times book list because she was one two three and four and they're like this is ridiculous and she wasn't moving oh my gosh. that's and great so yeah yeah, and like you had to wait for years for the next book and you don't have to do that anymore. So she wanted to kind of commemorate that. And so was it. it was very interesting. And she actually got to meet J.K. Rowling a couple times. She did like a two-day long interview with her wow. at her house in Scotland. Yeah, so she really was involved with this experience um, on a very personal level. So I thought that was interesting. And then I read... These were my immediate gratification books. (laughs) I read two books by Jasmine Guillory. She wrote The Wedding Date that I talked about um, probably last month, where the couple gets stuck in an elevator, and he invites her to the wedding and goes on from there. So I read Royal Christmas and The Proposal. They're both very fast. They're both romances. It's not exactly a series. They're sort of companion books. So in The Proposal, Carlos... Our hero is the best friend of the guy from the wedding date. Okay. And then Royal Christmas is the fourth book. And there's... So there's various steps in there. So you don't have to have read any of the other books to... Oh, okay, good. To understand what's going on. it's They're very self-contained, but if you like the people, it's just an extra level of enjoyment. So Carlos, in The Proposal, is he's a doctor in L.A. He's at a Dodgers game with his sister. And in front of them is... A jumbotron proposal going on and the woman says no and he can hear what she's saying what she's saying is we've only known each other five months we haven't talked about this what are you doing also he spells her name wrong on the, on the jumbotron so she's like trying to be nice about it and not say no right in front of him and all of these people and he won't let her not say he's like are you turning me down so he gets really upset Storms off with all his buddies, leaving her alone there. And because it's L.A., the camera crews start moving in. And most of the people, all they know is that she turned him down. Mm-hmm. They're like, who does that? That's crazy. So he and his sister swoop in, pretend they know her, like, oh, it's so great to see you. Let's go get a beer. And they get her out of there. And they end up driving her to meet her friends. They all go in and start chatting. So it kind of goes on from there. Obviously, it all works out. It's delightful. Two really strong, great characters. Super sweet, um, pretty steamy. You know, heat, heat index. Yeah, it's it's up there. It's not. It's it's you know fairly open door. And then the one that I read, the other one is called Royal Christmas, and just came out. Vivian is uh, accompanying her daughter, who is going to be a stylist to the Duchess of Sussex over the Christmas holidays. <laughs> so okay, she's... that's just funny. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> That is actually I was I was kind of laughing when you said you thought it was Harry. It's not technically the Duchess of Sussex, but that's we all know who that that's who it's supposed to be. She and her daughter are going to Sandringham for the holidays and then her daughter'll do her work and she'll hang out and have a vacation because she hasn't had a vacation in a while and she's gonna start a new job. Then they'll spend a couple days in London, and while she's there, she meets the Queen's private secretary. They're smitten with each other, start hanging out, and he invites her to stay for a couple. Extra days, but obviously there are some issues because they live, whatever it is, nine thousand miles apart. How far is Oakland and yeah? Far. Yeah. So there's issues. But it was really sweet. So A, she's fifty-five, which how often do you get a super hot romance about a fifty five year old <laughs> woman with an equally aged man? They're also both black, so so much awesome. Cool. It was great. Also the cover, so cool. It was so she does her covers. In these little kind of cut-out collages. Oh, really? They're so cute. Like and a silhouette? Yeah. Mm-hmm, fun. And the woman in this, her dress and her hat are in sparkly pink. It's delightful. So all around delightful. This one, actually, I would say not as hot and steamy. Apparently, there's some limits <laughs> to what they will talk about with 55-year-old people. It was great. They're just, they're really nice. They're, her books are, they're romances, they're modern romances, and I have never been terribly into that, but they're... They're so
1: that was a book of the month pick at some point. Oh, nice. From that subscription program. Yeah.
0: They're they're just nice. Like they're not crazy drama, they're not, you know, kidnappings or lost dukes or, you know, they're normal people living normal lives with normal relationship issues yeah. and just, you know, trying to make it work. Yeah. That's so, refreshing. It is, and it's really nice. And I'm currently reading In the Woods. In the Woods? Into the Woods? Ton of French?
1: I thought it was just The Woods. Is it? But I might be wrong. Anyway,
0: Tana of French, Mystery, Police, Procedural. Courtney's talked about her books before, um, and I'm enjoying it, yeah. I have been reading, or reading, I've been watching the. You're right, In the Woods. In the Woods. The Stars series that is based on that one and the second book. And I'm kind of glad I started watching it first. They've changed a decent amount, not specifics, but they've, the atmosphere of the TV show is very different from the book. And I think if I had read the book and then watched the show, I'd be super cranky about how much they changed, but I'm kind of okay with going the other way. It's a murder mystery, is police, you know, standard.
1: Did you see that Netflix is releasing season three of Outlander this month? Oh, are they?
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. I have stars, so
1: I've seen
0: them all, but... That is good for I don't have people stars. that do not have
1: stars. Yeah, it's good for me. Yep. Me and me alone. Okay. I oh, don't know,
0: lots of people. And then <laughs> I listened to We Freemen by Terry Pratchett, which is his young adult series of novels about Tiffany Aching. Who's a witch? Terry Pratchett's awesome. Go read his Discworld series. Or you can just read Tiffany Aching. Actually, I, I think I've only listened to these books. They're delightful. They're, okay. He's so funny. It's an alternate world. It's hilarious.
1: I need a new That's audiobook.
0: Awesome. I love it. And the accents are... Oh, yay. Fantastic. And I actually sent a book back to the library. I had a book that I had pulled out on reserve, and I opened it up, started reading it, and I was like, you know what? This is book one of a second series. You know, like Rick Riordan does all the series? Yeah. So you could just keep reading. But I hadn't finished the first series. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this right now. I sent it back.
1: I send back books kind of often, but I don't ever talk about it because... Well, the only reason I'm talking
0: about it is because right. I, don't it's not do a... that. I
1: feel like I'm growing as a person and a reader. And it's not um an indictment against the author in this. case. Oh no, case I wanna when... yeah, no.
0: I just realized I mean that was why I got the book out in the first place. I didn't realize it was the start of a new series. I thought it was a whole separate thing and I enjoyed that first book, so yeah. I thought I'd just grab this one and then it felt like there would be enough sort of spoilers for the previous series
1: that I didn't wanna I understand do that. So yeah. Yeah. How about you? Well, I, like I said before, have been traveling. And because I just spent all that time in New York City with my sister chatting until midnight, Mm. I didn't really read that much. But I do have two books to tell you about. One is called 10 Minutes, 38 Seconds in This Strange World. And it's by Elif Shafak. And it takes place in Istanbul. I think it starts... In the 60s, or maybe late 60s, early 70s. The main character is Tequila Leela, and that's her sex worker name. There's not a lot of heat index yet, although I still have a little bit more to go. This is more about how she landed in the world, but the 10 minutes 38 seconds from the very beginning is the story of the end of her life, and that after her heart has stopped beating. She has 10 minutes and 38 seconds to look back on everything. Oh. And so, yeah, it's, it's a hard entry into a book, frankly. But what she's doing is weaving in the most critical of her moments and then her five important friends because she knows that they're going to be devastated. They were all really tight. And so as the minutes tick down, you learn more about her story and then the backstory of each of her most important people in her life. And some she's known since childhood and some are more recent acquisitions. It's discussing cultural challenges in Istanbul during her life. And it's talking about one of her friends who didn't feel his biological identity and how he transformed that. Everything that she's talking about is kind of difficult, but beautifully written in a way that makes it, I think, accessible to all readers, maybe not young readers, but I don't particularly like to hear about abuse. This is closed door in some ways, even though you're you're hearing some details, it's not very explicit. So there are elements of that in this book. It is really well written and the care this main character you are you want to spend this time with her wow so not the easiest and that's why i didn't take it on the plane with me because it felt a little bit hard and then i thought i was going to buy a book at the airport and security took too long and then i was going to miss my flight so i ended up watching two movies on the airplane instead of reading like i normally do i'm also reading confessions of franny langton and it is by Sarah Collins. This takes place in eighteen twenties Jamaica, and then they shift to London. Franny is initially a slave, and her owner takes her to London. And she he's a he's super weird, and was doing phrenological experiments and research. And there's it's like all, the bumps on your yeah head the bumps on your head and like measuring orbital cavities and uh, and she had been assisting him because she is very learned she can read she can write and they talk a little bit about how she got her education so the main themes of this book are the the shift from slavery to freedom because at that point slaves have been emancipated in london Mm. so it's you know, when is the rest of the world going to catch on to that? This is a terrible, terrible practice and and how she's confronting that. But yet she's still household help in London. She doesn't know how to square up this new identity. And there's a, there's a whole other story happening with her broadening her definitions of a lot of different things. It's been compared to kind of a gothic Jane Eyre or wide sargasso sea hmm. type story and confessing here that i haven't finished this one yet either so really well written heart it's a little bit harder to read because you are getting more of the descriptions of what her life was like in jamaica which is never easy but i feel like this one is a worthwhile a worthwhile journey cool so Not the most uplifting. I could use a romance.
0: Yeah.
1: You can try my books. (laughs) I may just.
0: All right. On the road. Tell us about your travels.
1: Well, I went to New York City for my sister's belated 40th birthday. And some of the highlights included, we went and saw Wicked
0: on Broadway at
1: the Gershwin. And that was really fun. I don't think we had really ever seen an actual Broadway. We've gone to plays before, but never a Broadway one. I we saw Blue Man Group once and that was hysterical. That's and awesome. we've seen a lot of stand-up comedy, which is also very fun. But this was our first official Broadway show. Nice. So that's a good one. Good to us. We also ate our way as you know we walked and talked and ate. On repeat, very good for New York and some of the. I hear they have some good restaurants there. They have some good restaurants, but we're all about simple too. You know, like we had walking and talking to do, so we, I think we were really inspired to go home and cook a few things. We had a meal in Little Italy that was very simple. Um, She had an eggplant rollatini, which she loves. It had tons of cheese on it. Mm. I would back off the cheese a little bit personally, but she loved it. And I had arancini, which are the stuffed rice balls, and they were awesome. I wish I could figure out how to make those so that I didn't have to deep fry them. You need to get the air fryer. Maybe. That would be a good... I need an air fryer for rice balls. That's... (laughs) I'm
0: sure you would find other uses for it.
1: Yes, that's true. Another thing that we had in Little Italy that was amazing and I should never recreate because I would eat a hundred of them are these almond cream cheese horns that we found at the cannoli corner. And it's um almost like a almond flour cone, very buttery, filled with almond cream cheese paste, which my sister described as the perfect thing to frost a carrot cake with because my sister is the only other person in the world who likes carrot cake the way I do. How do you like it? I just like it. Will you like well, it too. No, I don't. No. See, nobody else likes carrot cake.
0: Oh no. Telly makes an amazing one. My friend Telly of uh, the scissors question. She has a secret, like secret recipe from her mom that oh, she well, will not tell us, but it is. And I, so I don't like carrot cake. I have had this and it is actually really quite good. Okay. So and but my that does calculus. none of us
1: any good if Telly is not willing to share the recipe. <laughs> She's willing to share the cake, though. Oh, okay. Well, then. Okay. So that was the almond cream cheese horn. We went to Mediterranean food one night mm-hmm. and had, and she had, my sister had falafel, a falafel burger, and I ordered a salad that had chicken and tzatziki mm-hmm. sauce on it, and it was so great. And why don't I make more of that? It's so easy. Yeah. And delicious yeah. and new flavors for my family. That's something I'm gonna fold into the routine. Then I had a liege waffle. Oh, oh boy, do I love those. The Belgian. This is thing. the there's Just a the Belgian sugar. there's the Belgian waffle, and then there's the liege waffle, which is the top secret waffle of Belgium. Yes. And it's the one with the pearl sugar into it. When yes. you, and it caramelizes when you push yes. it on the, the waffle iron. My sister didn't care for it so much. I loved it. This waffle dough, when I've looked at the batter though, it takes it needs to what do you call it? Like a sourdough. It needs a not a starter, but it needs to it needs time. Hmm. So I'm gonna have to look into that more. They were excellent. Yes. But the last most amazing thing was this pudding cookie.
0: What is that? I don't know. You had it, though.
1: I had it, and now I am on a mission to figure out what a pudding cookie is. Because apparently, once you figure out the pudding cookie base, Uh then you can do any addition you want. So we had one that was kind of like toffee chocolate chip
0: Is it more like a
1: cookie? It's a cookie, but it's tall. And the center of it is wonderful texture, like shortbread almost. And then the outside is really soft. And I think you're meant to add a portion of pudding, dry pudding mix, oh. to a cookie base. And then you can roll with it from there. Hmm. Um, I will report back as soon as I can be more functional in the kitchen. Then a couple of things. We saw, we saw our show. And then the two spots that we went to that are worth noting. Um, we did get into Pearl Soho which had adorable holiday displays. They had a pom-pom tree. oh, And they had tons of hand-knit beautiful hats for sale. I could have worn three hats and still been cold. It was freezing this past week in New York, but that was really fun to see that shop. It's smaller than I thought, but everything in New York is smaller than you envision. And then the other place that we trekked our way out to was the CW Pencil Enterprise.
0: Hmm. And
1: this is a pencil store, you guys. <laughs> and it was so great. It was just, it was really far out of the way. I mean, we had walked along Canal Street and fought the crowds. And then it was another, like it's way down at Canal and Orchard. Okay. So, it's, oh. so it's still in Manhattan. It's still in Manhattan, oh, okay. but it's a good walk out of the way when it's 34 degrees fair enough and then it's a tiny little pencil store that has all kinds of different pencils not necessarily all artist pencils mm-hmm. but they had lots to s- choose from and you could sample them and then they had a big display of caran d'ache colored pencils which i do appreciate i have a i have many of them so i liked that and they had a little room off the side that had stickers, beautiful artesian stickers. Mm-hmm. Just made this store was made for people like me. They had a pencil vending machine that was that had um, New York sayings on them. You know, um, mostly sub subway related. The best part for me was they had these tall envelopes, and it had a little illustration. And they would say things like collection for woodworkers or collection for list makers or draw your day collection and the sketchbook collection. And of course, those last two are the ones that I that was my big New York souvenir were these two envelopes with pencils and there were like five or six pencils in each one. And I was so happy to go back to the hotel and warm up and color little pencil swatches. I think I'll post a picture about these because yes, the whole um the packaging was really great. They had the black wing, the black wing pencils, which I really love to do a lot of things with, but they had some in there that I hadn't ever experienced. Oh. Some Japanese pencils and anyway, I'll post I'll post a photo of that because I think our pencil people will get a kick out of it. Yeah. And I thought it was just such a great store.
0: It sounds amazing. It was, and I'm not even a pencil person, but that sounds pretty it awesome. It was great.
1: We also went to the New York Public Library and mm-hmm. our brother came into town that day and we made him pose with the lion. Well, he definitely hammed it up with a lion. We also got over to the Met and spent some time there. It was an awesome, amazing sister-slash-sibling trip. So... New York is a good place. It is a great place. It is cold right now, but that great. Happens. Great. Nonetheless.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right. I think that's it for now. We will be taking a little break, so we will see you next year. Craziness. Ah! Total 2020. Craziness.
1: Here right. we come.
0: So get ready for that. Um, yeah. Join us cooking along with the
1: Tuesday night. night.
0: Milk Street. We'll be thinking about our goals for the year.
1: All that good stuff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then I'll be looking for input about my next big project. So if you're interested in countries, 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 places, a sense of place, people who, you know, just how you see the world, I'm really interested. And I would love to send, send out maybe some real mail to some people if they're willing to accept it,
0: okay, which means so sharing your address. Should they send it to our Gmail account? Or do yeah. you want do you want people to do that now or do you want them to wait until you have a little more detail? No,
1: let's do it now. If you're interested in contributing thoughts, ideas, memories, this can be really brief or really lengthy, let me know. You can definitely reach out to me on my Instagram which is C uh, sorry, Courtney SF on Instagram. Know you or craftcookreadrepeat
0: at gmail.com. And then if you're more comfortable sharing your actual, because you're, are you going to do email, or oh, I guess we
1: I think do email. I could do email if people don't want to share an address. My personal brand is Real Mail, and yes. I would love to put a really cool brief survey with a stamp on it, and your name, and handwriting, and all of that. But I get that people don't necessarily want to share their address. With a total stranger. So I think I'll make up an emailable one, too. Cool. So, um, yeah, shout if you're interested.
0: Yeah. And until then, make sure to do something you love every day. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or CourtneySF. That's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.